welcome to The Great Indoors. This podcast series is dedicated to talking about technological and cultural change during this current pandemic that we are finding ourselves in. Please subscribe to this podcast. We are available through all the normal channels, Apple, Google, Spotify, and also visit our uh, webpage, amdocs.com forward slash The Great Indoors. And on our webpage, we have a wealth of videos, blogs, survey results, as well as um, pre-recorded episodes of The Great Indoors. Today, uh, episode three, we are going to talk about an extremely important topic, diversity and inclusion. I don't think there could be a, a more timely time or era to talk about this subject as there is right now. And I'm really honored to be joined today. Our guest is Miss Vicky Slight. So Vicky, welcome to The Great Indoors. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thank you. And I'm loving the name, The Great Indoors. Fantastic. <laughs> Where are you uh, enjoying The Great Indoors and, and who are you enjoying it with at the moment? I am enjoying The Great Indoors over in London in the UK. We've actually had really, really good weather, which has been helpful. And I have been doing lockdown, just me, myself, and my gorgeous little shih tzu dog, Lucy Lou. Ah, Lucy Lou. I was going to say, you know, I have two dogs. I think dogs have done pretty well out of this pandemic, right? <laughs> I do. They certainly have. I tell they you, certainly have. My, mine are here with me right now, and I don't have to travel anywhere. They're with me all day, and they are getting a lot of walks. I don't know about Lucy Lou, but mine are getting a lot of walks. Yeah, well, Lucy, we could only... Sorry, that's Lucy. Welcome to the great indoors. <laughs> She's incensed. Somebody is just walking past the terrace. You know, let me give you some background on Vicky. I've known her for many years. Vicky is the chief executive officer and founder of The Perfect Limited a boutique uh, consultancy specifically looking at this topic of diversity and inclusion. But right now, Vicky, you're also the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at the TM Forum, right? Yes, I am leading a global collaborative advisory council to um, ensure that tech communications becomes the most diverse industry in the world. So working with a lot of TM Forum members on that, which is really exciting. Um, it's a fantastic mission to have. Awesome. And, and previous to this, you were also, because we'd see each other in Barcelona every year, mm. the Senior Director of Member Services at the GSMA, where um, you know you spearheaded and launched the GSMA Connected Women Programme on behalf of the telecoms industry, which I knew was hugely successful um, over the years, particularly at that event. Yes, that was back in 2011, actually. That's now called Women for Tech, and it, it was made into, a, again, a global industry initiative. Um, and that's kind of where I started focusing on gender. Obviously, I've diversified since then um, and a lot more intersectional, but it's, it's still a great um, initiative and extremely important. OK, great. And, you know, it was always great. for. I mean, we could have another podcast series on some of the nights out we used to have in Barcelona and other salubrious <laughs> places in Europe back in the day. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we should um, we should part that one for another series, of course. Yeah. So um, it's great great to have you, um, and we're going to be talking about diversity and inclusion, of course. But before we begin, what does it mean to you? How would you define diversity and inclusion in a nutshell? In a nutshell, so you've been asked to go to a party before, right? In fact, many. 
yeah not not anymore not since i had not, <laughs> not now <laughs> not <since laughs> so diversity is like being asked to go to the party but that's not inclusion so i get asked a lot what's the difference between diversity and inclusion so diversity you're asked to go to the party inclusion is being asked to dance so if you like diversity is the what inclusion is the how and from a business perspective Diversity focuses on the makeup of your workforce, your employees. So demographics such as gender, race, ethnicity, age, sexual orientation, veteran status. Um, and that's just to name just, just a few. And inclusion is a measure of the culture that enables that diversity to thrive. And I think, you know, one of the things that I, I think that's a perfect explanation I think, and when, when I started looking at this, there was many that argue that a global pandemic is not the time to discuss workplace diversity and, and inclusion as an imperative for, for organizations and that there are more pressing issues facing, you know, that we're facing in the world. But I would contend and would, would suggest that this is the moment is precisely the right time to recognize the importance of diversity for, for a number of reasons. But I think the first thing that I found astonishing was the most resilient and successful companies are the ones with the most diverse workforce, right? Yeah. So as resilience is something that we need more than ever during this crisis, why is that? Why is the most diverse organizations the most successful and resilient? Well, I mean, now is not the time to put diversity and inclusion on on the back burner because... Um, as we know, diverse organisations are, are more successful and, and, and there, there's numbers and a lot of reports I can refer you to um, behind that. Um, but the ones that do um, kind of understand now that they have to carry on taking this forward are the ones that will bounce back harder and stronger. And particularly, as, OK, right now we're in a pandemic, but this won't be the last crisis that we that we will see. So recent months um, have reminded us all that innovative and agile approaches to work are the key components to survival through crisis. And I think collaboration, trust and mutual support have become and proven to be critical um, to not just to teamwork, but to organisational endurance. And I think one of the strongest messages um, that's emerging from you know, we're all social distancing right now and we're, you know, and some of us are isolated, some of us are at home alone, isolated or, you know, in lockdown. Humans are at their very best when they're connected. And I mean, I certainly am. When, when I'm connected and engaged with somebody else um, and diversity and inclusion are, are those ingredients of deep and meaningful interactions. And, you know, I don't want to get fluffy. This is not fluffy stuff. Um, business outcomes of a diverse and inclusive workplace culture go beyond feeling good just about what ourselves what we're talking about here is is greater competitiveness which gives better results um, and ultimately delivering key business objectives time and time again and I think you know looking at how I've dealt with it you know it's it's just me myself and my and my my dog at home um and I think when you look at how it's been in lockdown and, um, you know, it's become the new normal. Whereas before, um, you know, if my dog barked while I was on a conference call, whether it was video or non-video, and actually they do seem to be more on video now, 
you know, I'd be quite embarrassed and almost like shunting her out the door and, you know, profusely apologising or if a delivery comes, um, which they invariably do now because we're all getting deliveries, um, you know, and the doorbell goes. Or for somebody with a child or children in the background, you know, people would try and hide it. Whereas now it's it's being welcomed. Um, there's new etiquette about it. I mean, I've got one personal story where I was on a on a video call and one of the ladies I was talking to, she'd been doing potty training with her child. And the child had, you know, done done a poo. And so, mummy, mummy, I've done a poo, I've done a poo. And normally, you know, we talked and laughed about it afterwards. You know, normally um, the person I was talking to would have been sort of really embarrassed. But we all just said... No, no, go deal with that because we knew she'd been doing potty training because we talked about it while we're waiting for everybody to do the, to do the, you know, to join the call. And, you know, it's like, no, she's done her first poo in the potty. So you have to go and reward that. And so she dealt with it. And then we got back on with the call. And I think it's become a lot more acceptable now. And, and also, you know, not just for the mothers, but for the fathers um, as well. Having, I've done so many conference calls with children, dogs in the background delivery drivers you know what I mean so well you get a glimpse into people's lives right for the first time you get a glimpse into their home yeah and and I, I thought it was um hysterical when I saw the news in England whenever they were doing these interviews with politicians and they were sat in front of their bookshelves in front of their grandiose bookcases it, it seemed that the press seemed to be more concentrated on what books were on their bookshelf than what they were actually saying <laughs> so uh you know you get a glimpse a different glimpse into people's lives and I think also what you said there is really interesting because it reminds me of like I think it was two years ago when the BBC did an interview with a correspondent in Korea um, and his children burst through the door and it was like pandemonium chaos you know and and now like you said the acceptance is when your children burst into the office as mine do frequently rather than try and, you know, hide them under the desk or, or, or kick them out. I actually said, would you like to comment on this topic that we're discussing? And uh, actually, they're, they're better than a lot of people that I normally discuss things with. So <laughs> that, that that's interesting. But I think when we look at diversity and we look at flexible work and telework, I'm going to throw this out there because I read this in the World Economic Forum. I thought it was really interesting because normally flexible work and telework have been a necessity or desired by women who often shoulder the disproportionate burden of family care, right? And, you know, my wife, um, we have four small children and, and, and I can see that. And historically, the women and men, and men, of course, who did telework were often perceived as being less committed to their careers, right? And, and I always remember people would use inverted commas and say, working from home, right? There was also this automatic... Uh, perception and misperception that people weren't as serious about their work when they worked at, at, at home. Do you think this gender-based assumption now will be put to rest when everyone from the CEO down is now working from home? Yeah, and I mean, again, it's it's gender stereotype, and you know, there's there's also the fact that you know men are becoming more carers now as well. But you know, just basing it on that, where there is a family unit where you know the the mother the woman um, does take care 
um, of the children. Actually, I, and I've been talking to a lot of leaders in the telco space, um, both men and women, and the men have realised now that, um, and, and I'm just saying on the ones that, I, that I've spoken to, they've realised now that actually they can get the work done from home and take care of childcare, and they're enjoying it. As I'm sure you are, Matt. Yeah. You know, you're not having to travel in, you're not having to travel out, you're having lunch with your kids. And a lot of people have realized, and this is, you know, same with women, and they don't want to lose that. So, you know, it's going to be a new normal. And I think that level of flexibility people, um, people don't want to get rid of. And I think with the whole home working and flexible working, we're in a pandemic and so where people have had to take go and take care or do shopping for those that they know who are having to kind of um, self-isolate you know time's been given for that the flexible working's been you know come in and I think you know it's not only to talk about sort of families with children I don't think we can talk about diversity without bringing in disability disability um flexible working for for a variety of disabilities is really really important and some employers have already been kind of embracing flexible working because it makes it much more accessible for those that do have a disability and um you know they're starting to realize now that there's a lot of talent that's been missed out on from from um disabled people and you know although on this on the other side of the coin some disabled people are struggling with working from home during the pandemic and you know in the uk here you know there's concerns about the government's access to work scheme continuing to provide the right le- levels of support that enables them to be in employment and you know we're seeing disabled women exposed to a greater risk of domestic abuse as they increase their dependence on others you know i just wanted to kind of bring that in as well because i think it's impossible to talk about flexible work needed without without bringing that in as well and i have some friends who are disabled or who have 24-hour care are used to working from home for them it's difficult to be in an open plan office so i really like the fact that it's highlighted that and with this flexible working now this new normal is going to expand to um, all of that talent as well because there is a war for talent and there will continue to be so and that's why diversity is becoming even more important because diversity of thought and perspectives and addressing the needs of the market that you're trying to serve. Yeah, and I have a lovely story to add to that um, that came from my colleagues down in um, in Argentina. And it was a recent story that, that we put out on, on LinkedIn. And it was about uh, one of our employees called Macarena Fernandez. She's physically dis- uh, disabled and in a wheelchair and when she came to Amdoc, she impressed the leadership in Argentina. And the uh, our CSP partner that um, she was working for remolded the entire corporate office, including the building entrance, bathrooms, in order to accommodate her wheelchair. Yeah. And now she has a dream job as a service operations center engineer. And our partner, uh, Claro, in Argentina couldn't be happier. It's a nice story, but I think you raise a really good point. And I love that story because I've walked into many of those big glass buildings, not just in the UK, but all over the world. And, you know, you kind of, because um, myself and a friend of mine, Toby Milden, have, have actually built a program around disabled talent. And so actually talking to some of these businesses and they're like, well, you know, we're a completely disabled, friendly building. 
And yes, you've got a disabled friendly building, but actually what happens when, you know, these these individuals come to the building? Are they set up? You know, is there a place for their, their carers if they have to have their carers with them? You know, have you got the right software? What's the flexibility in terms of getting in? They're not going to come in, in in rush hour and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's really interesting. And, you know, you were talking about, uh, I just wanted to pick up on a point you mentioned earlier about backgrounds um, and there's two things on that one thing I, I love is the fact that now on a lot of the various platforms whether it's, it's zoom or it's teams or whatever you can actually change your background um, to a bookshelf that that seems to have become very popular um, but also if we go to kind of other countries around the world and I know you as Amdocs of, of it's one thing that you know that, that's been a consideration for you guys is you know take a country take somewhere like India where you know in in some offices um, the employees there are fed three meals a day so actually where where they live may not have a kitchen because they don't need one because they're you know the, the meals are all provided for at work so that's been something else you know not only have um, these workers had to be provided with a laptop and also connectivity in some areas is bad so, you know, the, the dongle um, or whatever device it is um, to provide that connectivity. But also eight people sitting around a table and having to do a video conference call is is not conducive. So the fact that you can kind of provide these, that you know, that these these platforms provide um, provide those backgrounds as well. But I think, you know, that's where the, the diversity comes in as well is, you know, these, these different cultures um, and, and what needs to be done there and what needs to be taken into consideration. No, I, you know, when you talk about those backgrounds, um, you know, you can actually put video files into those backgrounds as well, right? I didn't know that. But yeah. what I do know, Matt, is that uh, not to mention any names, but on Zoom, apparently I need to have a green screen because I'm on a MacBook Air, so it won't let me put yeah. any of my beautiful beach well, backgrounds. You know, and, 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 and you know that I'm a big Liverpool supporter, right? Yes. And um, Larissa and I were doing a, a Zoom call with one of our colleagues um, in Dallas, who is also a huge Liverpool supporter. And his Zoom backdrop was Liverpool winning the Champions League in Madrid a no, year ago, yeah. the video. So during the conference call, I had I, I watched Divock Origi score the winning goal about twenty times, um, and so it's good. I mean, it, it's good, you know, from that perspective. Now mm. let's 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 talk about something else that, that that's important here, and something I, I I've done a bit of reading up on as well. But how important as we move forward now, what does leadership have to do to embrace diversity now? Because we've talked about what it is we've talked about of the merits of it we've talked about how you know the the life we're living right now and and how it can lend itself to more inclusion but what does leadership have to do to step up here what should they be doing leadership teams need to kind of start embracing this and i think the leaders that are coming forward right now are the empathetic leaders because particularly when you look at now everybody, well, not everybody, but, you know, from a, in certain um, industries, organisations, all of their teams are working from home. So take the new superheroes. So those that are on the front line, so whether it's customer service in the tech world, you know, they're not used to working from home. And I know some leaders who themselves have created videos on, you know, 
and this is just the simple stuff, but actually being able to have empathy and realise this is making videos on etiquette for conference calls and how to speak up, but not only that, how to let other people speak. Leaders are making decisions as they've never had to make decisions before. Yes. And decisions made in a crisis often calls for fast decisions, fast implementation, lot of moving parts, uncertainty, fast changing data, and absolutely no precedent to draw on. And that's why, for me, it's a struggle to understand why any organisation would take diversity and inclusion off the table when they've been key essentials for businesses who value innovation and divergent thinking, more so in times of um, a crisis. And I think, you know, it's important as well because, you know, we, if you look at, goodness, goodness me, you know, January in the UK, we had Brexit. We've all had the pandemic. And then since then, of course, we've had Black Lives Matter and all the terrible things that have gone on, you know, with George Floyd. And of course, around the world, we've, we've had riots. So a lot of organisations have come out and, and, and put out press releases, made public statements, expressing solidarity with black communities um, and also making um, a lot of donations. So I think that that's obviously been really important. So it's, it's not just been one crisis. There's, there's been other things. Challenging times call for these diverse actions to address all these many extremely varied situations that business leaders are facing. And I think, you know, the, the leader now needs to take a look at themselves and their leadership team, but also their core values, their core principles and, you know, and ask themselves, how inclusive are they? Literally, it's a simple question. Who's excluded from my business decision making process if so, why am I excluding them? Um, what are the real and actual capabilities that I need? Who do I need to bring into my decision business process? And leaders who connect to the diversity um, they already have by including more diverse employees in business decisions at all levels will be kind of well on their way to fostering an inclusive company and stand a better chance of coming out the other end because those that don't, won't. And it's that simple. I just want to bring you back to something because you said it right at the beginning of that piece that I thought was really interesting. When you talk about inclusion, this new reality of homeworking, management have to be more inclusive when you're doing a video call. It's no longer acceptable for a few people to dominate in a meeting. Management almost has a, a role to play to ensure everybody is heard, everybody is included in the discussion. Yeah. So do you think this teleworking... It brings more equilibrium, brings more balance to the inputs in a team environment. It does, but it comes back to what I was saying earlier as well, is for managers, leaders to connect with their teams because, you know, it's not like they're going to see them in the office. And fair enough, you know, a lot of us are used to working globally and with, you know, global teams and, you know, we don't see them in one particular office. But it's actually speaking to those teams, understanding how they're feeling, especially during this crisis when people haven't been able to go out, but also understanding what training's needed. I mean, it's it's all well and good to say that, you know, one or two people who would normally dominate in a meeting, they're still gonna dominate on a on a on a video call, on a conference call. So it's a it's a different kind of training and it's recognizing, you know, what new training is needed. And it is about that etiquette and new ways of, of getting people 
you know, to take a seat at that virtual table and to, to lean in and, and to say what needs to be said and give it, making it a safe space to be able to talk and, and, and making sure that that's known, particularly for those people who are not used to working from home and who have now got that flexibility and you know what, they're going to want to keep it. Let's talk about when, when management come to do performance reviews as well. This is something I read in a build-up to this podcast that I thought was really interesting in that feedback performance and evaluations can sometimes be driven by bias, right? Do you think that things will become more analytical and metric-based? You know, a person can no longer casually stop by in the boss, boss's office to brag about what they've done uh, and and things like this. Surely accomplishments and evaluations will now be based on actual performance and outputs. Is that controversial or do you think that's something that will manifest itself as moving forward? Well, it's all about reimagining. Um, you know, I've never been a fan of those, especially not six monthly evaluations, because how do you know if you're not doing the right thing? What's the point in waiting six months? I think reevaluating who your employees are, who your who your people are, are they are they strategists? Are they implementers? Are they playmakers who bring everybody together? You know, which program should be? How do you get the best out of your employees? And, you know, there's a tool I've been using for a long time called the GC Index that allows you to understand that. And um, because people can learn new skills and actually getting the best out of your employee. And I think just coming back to the, um, to the evaluation is, yeah, you can't pop into the boss's office, but you know, if you're going to do that, you can, you can, you know, you, you still, I don't know, WhatsApp them or or whatever. Um, but I think productivity for most organisations, as they found, has gone up. And as I said, new superheroes are coming forward in the form that you know, there's people are are shining, you know, got shining lights on. And I think. Understanding that as a leader, you know, you need to mentor and mentor somebody that doesn't look like you or remind you of yourself, Um, you know, a diverse candidate or championing. There's a difference between mentoring and championing. Mentoring is, you know, about, you know, helping to guide that person. Championing is advocating for that person when they're not even in the room, putting them in front of new networks, taking an active interest in their career. You find talent, you nurture it, but you find talent um, that that is diverse, um, that that doesn't normally, you know, get a get a look in. Um, and I think that's that's where it's important because we've got to reimagine, and, and and this is the new normal. Some people will still stick to their old ways of doing that, but the real leaders will will be the more diverse ones. One of the things that we cover in this podcast series is innovation and creativity. And we talked in in a previous um, session about what's happening now could be a spur to innovation and and creativity. But one thing I've read, I read, I saw this in a McKinsey report, actually. I've been doing a lot of, like I said, you'd be impressed with the amount of reading I've been doing on this subject. And actually, I'm, I'm actually genuinely amazed at how important this subject is to, to company performance as a result of that. So I think I've benefited somewhat, but, what I saw was that when companies 
you know, we talked about innovation and creativity. We've talked about it in this series and, and, and this pandemic spurring on that uh, creativity and innovation. And we're also, you know, talking in this series about how more diversity and inclusion unquestionably leads to greater innovation, creativity of technology, without a doubt. But why is forming a diverse culture imperative? Why is this fundamental to to innovation and creativity? Diversity breeds creativity, which leads to innovation. To be honest, diversity is the key to creativity, not just diversity in your workforce, in your personal life, the teams you form, the managers um, whom you hire and promote. So take, for example, if you've got a bunch of white men in hoodies creating a product or a service and the market that you're trying to serve is not made up of white men in hoodies, how can you even begin to understand what that society needs? I've done a lot of work in um, artificial intelligence and also um, with disability. And interestingly enough, I met a playwright and she's a disabled playwright. And she um, has written a, a play that she's she's been um, getting funding for, which is focused on the impo- importance of care robots. So, and even before this pandemic, you know, the number of care workers that we're likely to be short, I think it's 380,000 in uh, in the UK. It's even more so in Japan by um, 2030. So a lot of testing is going on in Japan on these care robots. But if you look at the range of disabilities as well, and so I, I was invited to be on this panel when they first did, when they played the first scene, and it, it was all about this girl called Dora. And, you know, a bit more in the future, and she'd been given this care bot. And as the story went, she wanted to go, her ex-fiance was getting married. They didn't go into the backstory of that, and, and she'd become disabled. And the robot had been made by an able-bodied person and not a disabled person. So being made by able, disabled products and services being made by able-bodied people for disabled. Um, And so the play kind of went through that, but also listening to the audience when it came to questions, somebody had had, I can't remember what it's called now, but one of those um, hearing um, things, hearing, you know, to to make make them be able to hear again because they were deaf. And actually some of the things hadn't been tested until after beta trial with disabled people, with people who are hard of hearing or, or beyond that. So it didn't work properly, it didn't work for them. So a lot of the functionality this particular woman had, had turned off. And even when you look at bots that are used in, in recruitment, the innovation wasn't there. Old data was being used in, in this recruitment process um, and not new data. So what this bot decided was that female redheads never made it to the top. So it automatically discounted all of these all of these CVs. Um, and my hair was red at the time when I found this out. I'm, I'm now back to brunette. Um, and it, it was just appalling. And it was because it was old data that was being used, but also it wasn't a diverse, wasn't diversity of thought and perspective that put this together. And, you know, there's a, a lot more around AI on that. But, you know, just to give you kind of a, a couple of stories as to why this needs to happen. And if you look, you know, going over to Africa, mobile money type products and services, if you look at, although it tends to be, especially out in rural areas, the, um, the, the, the men who will go out and work, it's the women who decide to do what they're going to do with that little money that they have. 
So building, um, you know, those types of products and services for the, for those regions, if you're not involving the women and getting their perspectives and opinions, it's it, that's part you're missing out on a critical business success factor. And that's why it's important. These different perspectives that people bring from different cultures, um, from whether it's different genders, LGBTQ+, different ages, they then go home and they have those perspectives at home and with their friends. So if you imagine, you know, you're bringing all of that together, where if you've just, if you're hiring the same person as you are, you're only going to get those same perspectives. So you're never going to address the needs of the market that you're trying to serve. Um, nothing offended me more than, you know, all the Fitbits that came out and then they made a pink one. And it, it was like, that's not sitting on my wrist. So I still don't have one. A more diverse workforce, like you said, brings more diverse ideas and people not thinking in a, in a homogenous fashion. But I saw some research that said employees in companies committed to diversity are about 150% more likely to report that they can propose new ideas and try new ways of doing things. Yeah. So a diverse workforce almost emboldens uh, the workforce itself to think differently, to propose new ideas. And I think that's fascinating. So in, in some corporate culture, cultures where people yeah. feel inhibited, they, they don't have the yeah. courage sometimes to, to maybe say what they really you know think or, or bring some new ideas to the table. Yeah. And I mean, if you think of some, uh, you know, a company that's merging um, internationally, if the change is rapid and you know you're not only dealing with a different country you've got to develop a plan that only not only deals with cultural differences but also language barriers you might need to figure out how your team's going to interface with new teammates um, but also you're bringing together uh, when you're bringing together senior leaders there's going to be clashes um, but actually you know so that's another perspective is is, is cultural differences um, and relationship and communication skills are critical for that group effectiveness. There's a lot of reports, again, that kind of show that those with um, diverse teams, they increase their bottom line. It's the win-win situation. Bringing together different talents, experiences, and various skill sets to come up with, as you say, which was the, the question, with creative and inventive solutions, whereas another group made up of people with similar backgrounds and skill sets may decide to solve any dilemma or any problem in the same way that they always have a culturally diverse group it it's a win-win it does increase innovation and creativity and not only that but the success of this promotes a, a feeling of camaraderie among team members and encourages kind of successful cooperation in the next company venture and not only that when there is this war on for talent you know the, the the generation that's coming through now. They they, you know they they understand and want things in a different way that you know people of our generation. Uh, I'm not saying we're old, but we're getting there. And um, you know they want different things, and they want to work for somebody who has that kind of diverse culture and where they can go and have impact. Absolutely. We're going to go to our closing sort of thoughts now. I was always a big history buff and these crises bring about big change right if you look at world war ii many married women with children all of a sudden joined the labor force for the first time um and and it was a huge transformation it it, it really was a huge cultural and 
productivity business change to the whole of the Western world, particularly at that time. What do you think this pandemic will do for diversity and uh, cultural transformation and inclusion? Do you think there will be ultimately positives that come from this crisis? Definitely. I mean, companies, as I was saying earlier, have had to transform quicker than they ever thought they were capable of. Not only that, they'll evaluate their partnerships that they've got, their business partnerships as as well. Diversity and inclusion will be more important than ever as we move, you know, from the shock to adaptation, which we're, we're kind of moving into that stage now, and eventually emergence from the effects of the pandemic. And as we've been talking about, the role of the leader has changed. Uh, And I think many organisations have found themselves now fostering global inequality, especially given, you know, recent events um, and courting, you know, what they need to do about environmental and social disaster. And, you know, just in closing, if there's now is not the time to have diversity and inclusion off the table, we still need a different mindset and organisational transformation underpinned by diversity and inclusion now more than ever. Um, You know, we need to connect to that common shared goal um, and it's by far the best way to face adversity and win. Excellent. Look, brilliant. So look, Vicky, I want to say thank you for joining uh, The Great Indoors today. It's been a great conversation as it always is. Yeah, I love catching up with you. Thank you. Sorry if I went on too long. No, that's totally (laughs) fine. Please subscribe to our podcast um, through the normal channels uh, or your podcast provider of choice. And please visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors, where we have a a treasure trove of assets, uh, of blogs, survey results, videos, and even, as I alluded to last week, um, our promotional item, uh, a free gift there for your uh, delight and delectation. So, uh, Shall I tell you what it is? Yeah. Okay. So we have the limited edition (laughs) exclusive uh, Amdocs The Great Indoors coloring books available uh, for you to order free of charge. uh, And I think you'll like it. (laughs) That is so funny. So many of my friends have been ordering coloring books um, because apparently it's it's very calming. I I was um, every morning... What I've been doing for the last three months during lockdown is um, insanity training, screen sharing my uh, training on Zoom and a friend of mine in Milan. And we had to stop one morning. She said, oh, my delivery's here. And I was like, oh, what is it? And she said, it's colouring books and pens. I was like, what? How old are you, five? But so many of my friends have been colouring in um, for this calming sense of calm. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. This is it. And this is our gift, right? This is this is our gift. We want everyone to be cool and chilled out and calm, right? It's really cool. And, uh, the imagery is really nice. The, the, the front page was designed by Launchpad here in Toronto. Uh, so uh, please check that out on our microsite. Can I have one? Yeah, we'll get one sent. I'll autograph it for you, Vicky. How does that oh, sound? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then it'll be worth nothing. Um, Brilliant. Okay, well, listen, thank you very much for joining Vicky, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Great.